welcome to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Caster, here as always with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how was your weekend? Uh, besides the hip flaring up, the knees being destroyed, and now my back being all out of whack, I am just doing absolutely spectacular. I'm not even 25 yet. How about you, Adam? Well, I can definitely say that none of those things happened to me. Well, I guess Mercury loves you because Mercury clearly does not like me. I've sung the praises of a wonderful planet time and time again. And when Mercury is in retrograde, all these bad things happen to me. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've lost faith in Mercury. Sure. It's the solar system. It's not your years long history of playing every single sport except for football when you were younger. It's, it's definitely Mercury. I have no comment on the matter. I think I'm just going to blame Mercury. It's an yeah. easy, it's an easy cop out. Listen, I still, sometimes I have flare ups from an, from the ankle that I twisted in third grade. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, uh, this is bad because I was, I was supposed to play, I was supposed to play golf on Thursday. Don't know if I'm playing golf and I was supposed to play golf on my birthday. And now that is highly questionable. So yeah, we are just thriving. Absolutely thriving. One of my friends in high school was kind of like, not like that, but he used to get injured very easily. Like he broke his toe on a record on records. Like he stopped, like he stubbed his toe on a record cabinet and he broke it. Oh God. He has like glass bones and paper skin. He had, he had to get a hip replacement when we were, when we were like 17. What? Yeah. I've never heard of anyone getting a hip replacement at, at, at any age lower than 50. We were teenager. We were literally, he missed like most of junior year because he got a hip replacement. Jesus Christ. He left. I think he left in November and I didn't see him until the APs. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's, that's brutal. I know. He's a, oh. he's an Eagle scout too. Poor guy. Fucking hip replacement at 17. Oh my god. Well he's doing fine now. He does fine. He's fine now. Well, hopefully I don't have to my my back fused together at 24, not 25, as Adam so graciously wanted to tell me before the program that I was 25. I'm not 25, I am 24. I'm still in the first quarter of my life. So fuck you, Adam. That's okay. It works it worked really well for Dwight Howard. Did it did kind of. Not really. Did almost. 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 Oh, what are we doing today, Adam? Well, first thing that we're doing today is talking about a gigantic trade that happened. There was a trade over the weekend? Yeah. I, I, I didn't hear about it. Oh, really? No, it, it just it wasn't all over Twitter and, and all over every freaking app that I went on or anything like that. I mean, I don't know what you could possibly be talking about. Yeah, I mean, even before, like, it, it's not like it was on, it's not like it, the news broke before it even happened, before the trade was even consummated. I have still no idea what trade you're talking about. Well, Mr. Birdsall, for the uninitiated people who live under a rock. Thank you. Or who don't have social media and don't follow either Ian Rappaport. Or who don't Adam go on Twitter every five minutes. <laughs> who don't go on Twitter or Reddit or who or any other social media platform or, or subscribe to The Athletic or check ESPN. Julio Jones was traded to the Tennessee Titans. Who, well, not just Julio Jones. 
because it was Julio Jones and a sixth round pick in 2023 that was heading to the Tennessee Titans for second round pick in 2022 and a fourth round pick in 2023. Texans fans rejoice. I know. You know, to quote Cameron Jordan, that's all you got for Julio Jones. Well, I mean, Atlanta had one thing on their mind, clearly, and that was just get that money off the books. I mean, there was no team that was going to trade for that contract, that player with that injury record, and give up a first-round pick. That was my assessment of it. I said it on the podcast time and time again. Atlanta was not getting a first-round pick for Julio. They didn't get a first-round pick, but, but they got needed cap relief. Julio is only going to count for approximately $7.7 million when you include his signing bonus and I believe a roster bonus as well uh, for 2021. So all that equates about 7.7, just a a shade over. We'll say 7.7. And they get that contract off the books and and they now have $16 million worth of cap space to play with for the remainder of the offseason to continue to try and improve that team. So all in all, I I would say that the the Falcons made out okay. But my God, what does this do to Calvin Ridley? I think everything that we were talking about with A.J. Brown, of A.J. Brown now is going to become a target hog, you might have to put that now on Calvin Ridley. Well, not only a target hog, but a coverage hog. That's also true. I mean, you're going to be having Marshawn Lattimore. Carlton um, Davis. Carlton Davis. And just all the uh, and like the, the crazy secondary that the Bucks have, and then it would probably be J.C. Horn in Carolina. I mean, I was trying to figure out who the number one guy in Carolina would be. It's probably going to be J.C. Horn, and they're going to have to and they're going to be shadowing Calvin Ridley, and then that's going to open things up for for Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts, and also Russell Gage probably, who who is presumably the number two. I I was going to say I, th- I I think that the the biggest winner in all of this is probably Russell Gage because he he now has an immediate path to being a top 35 receiver off the board. If, if you believe that the Falcons are going to be terrible, you believe the Falcons are going to be throwing a lot more than they had in the past, then you are going to be wanting to get Russell Gage. But, of course, this is an Arthur Smith offense. They want to run the ball. I would say, if anything, this helps Mike Davis a ton because he'll get more receptions. Definitely helps Russell Gage. It definitely helps Olamide Zacchaeus. And the two tight ends, I think, can benefit from this as well. So I think everyone's going to get a little sprinkling of the uh, little sprinkling of the pie that was now uh, that is now available due to the departure of, uh, of Julio. But the biggest winner of that, from a Falcons point of view, has got to be Calvin Ridley. It's got to be. I mean, I, I had a conversation with someone the other day of, you know, this, this was before the Julio trade. And they made a good point when they said, well, doesn't this worry you about Matt Ryan? And I said, no, not really. But then the more I thought about it, and I just kind of said, you know, it, I don't want to I don't want to say I'm out on Matt Ryan. I'm not. I'm not. But 
you know, do I understand people that have a little bit of apprehension now with Matt Ryan, given he's an older quarterback, he doesn't have his two top guys there. You're bringing in Kyle Pitts, who now is going to be, you know, presumably, I guess, the number two pass catcher in this offense. You know, you have Calvin Ridley there, who's going to be more susceptible now to double coverages. He, he, I, I could see why people are a little bit concerned with Matt Ryan. I'm just not one of them. Even with Julio there, he was still being drafted in the 14th round. You're still getting him at a great, great price. And we all know what Matt Ryan is capable of. So, yeah, I'm not too overly concerned about Matt Ryan, but I, I understand the people that are. Well, here's the thing. Julio Jones only played nine games last year. So we know yeah. what this offense looks like without Julio Jones. We and, Matt, and Matt Ryan still had a solid season. He had almost an almost identical season than what he had last year when Julio Jones played 15 games. And was, yeah. So I think that, I think people's concerns about Matt Ryan are, about Matt Ryan are understandable. You know, that's kind of like maybe one of your first instincts is like, well, you know, Matt Ryan's losing a big weapon in Julio Jones. What is that going to mean for the Falcons? What's that going to mean for Matt Ryan? But I mean, we've seen it. We've already seen what this offense looks like without Julio Jones. Right. Julio Jones wasn't really the number one, the 1A even in this offense anymore. It was Calvin Ridley. That's why this trade was being made is because the Falcons didn't see Julio Jones as the 1A. He's injured. He was injured for a lot of last season. He was making a lot of money, and that's why they traded him. So I think that it's while it's understandable to be worried about Matt, about Matt Ryan, I'm not. I'm really not. I think that he's going to – I think I still think that Matt Ryan's going to have a good season. So I'm just having a look here at the um, NNFC – their ADP for Julio, he is being drafted right now. He's being drafted 45th overall. So in terms of the receivers, Julio is the 16th receiver off the board right now. And that is ADP from the last two days. That's according to NNFC. Do you think now – see, that, that, that's tough. Julio now or Chris Godwin? Wow, that's actually a very – that's tough because that's like the same situation. It pretty much is. It's funny. Fantasy Pros has them back-to-back. They have Julio at 14 and Godwin at 15. NNFC has it. Julio at 16, Godwin at 15. That, oh my God. I think I'd rather have, maybe I'd rather have Godwin. I'd rather have Godwin. I'd rather have Godwin just because I'm, I'm a lot less concerned about the Godwin injuries than I am about the Julio injuries. Uh, Julio or Deontay Johnson? Deontay Johnson in the fall. I would rather have Julio. Yeah, I'd rather have Julio also. I'd rather have Julio. Uh, one more. Julio or DJ Moore? Ooh. I think I'd rather have Julio. 
I'd rather have Julio. All right, one, one more, I promise. Julio Jones or Robert Woods? Same situation. That is the same situation. Um, I think I'd rather have Robert Woods. I'd rather have Robert Woods as well. I don't think that's close for me, actually. No, it's not close for me either. Because Robert Woods stays healthy. I mean, that's a big, that's the big one. Yeah. Yep. All right. So you want to talk about the, uh, the Tennessee angle? Yes. A lot, a lot more fascinating. Oh yeah. I mean, this is crazy now. I mean, you have, you have AJ Brown, Derek Henry and Julio Jones. So you want to hear something fascinating, Adam? Yes. Is it so that before- Mike Rabel will still run the ball 30 <laughs> times a game? I hope not. So before the Julio trade, A.J. Brown was being drafted as number three receiver off boards. Mm-hmm. After the Julio trade, he's now being drafted as the ninth receiver off boards. That's crazy. Yeah. He dropped six spots in a matter of 48 hours. Well, here's the thing. People are people are overreacting. I think you're going to see that average out. Sure. Sure. I, I, I think that's a reasonable expectation. I think that is definitely a reasonable expectation. You know how sports – you know how sports fans are. We are – also sports fans, we like to overreact. Uh, a, a reactive bunch, yes. Every time something something slightly bad happens, it's like, oh, the sky's falling. The sky's falling. Everything's going to shit. That is true. Fire everybody. Anyway. So so take a guess now where Tannehill was being drafted as the 12th quarterback off the board. Guess where he's being drafted now? I, I'm going to guess sixth. No, a little too high. A little too high? Okay. Yep, a little too high. I'm going to guess eighth. Little too high. Twelfth. Too low. Tenth. Too low. Eleventh. Too low. You said every number but the number. Nine. Ding ding ding. He's being drafted as the ninth quarterback off the board now. He's behind Stafford. He's behind Herbert. Behind Wilson, Murray, the rest of those guys. But above Brady, Hertz, Rogers. Trevor Lawrence, who's being drafted as the 13th quarterback off the board, according to NFC. That's something. Yeah. I told you. Here comes the hype train with Trevor Lawrence. And NFC has him as the 13th quarterback off the board. What are we doing? Well, here's the thing. It's basically, you know, you have to take into account that these are people. People have emotions, people have feelings, and they expect if they, ex- it's not, it might not necessarily be based on stats. It's based on feeling, on gut feeling. I agree. Which is why we saw AJ Brown drop six spots. Um, yeah. It, it, in ADP, and you saw the steady rise of Tannehill and, and Trevor Lawrence because people expect them to take steps. Yeah, but like you said, Adam, I mean, everything in fantasy is reactionary. I mean, you have something that affects someone negatively, they're going to fall five, six spots. You have something that affects somebody slightly positively, they'll jump two, three spots. So we're a reactionary bunch. Yes, it's kind of like the stock market, if you want to look at it that way. Yep. Oh, no, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. That's actually, it's a great analogy. It is, yeah, actually, no, it is. It is just like the stock market where you have, you know, like you said, slightly positive things. Ryan Tannehill gets Julio Jones. He just shoots up draft boards. People are going to, I think people are going to be drafting him a lot higher 
than than ninth. Oh yeah, yeah, I I, I think so. I think he'll. I, I'm I'm surprised that he's being drafted below Stafford. Uh, I'm fairly surprised. I think that'll change. I think that'll change. Then really, you have to have the argument of Tannehill, Wilson, or Herbert. For me, I I would rather have Wilson and Herbert personally, but I see the arguments. I'd rather have Tannehill. I would rather have Tannehill over Stafford. I would. I, I just want to point that out there. I would too. I think I I think I I agree with you there. I'd rather have Russell uh, Russ and Herbert over Tannehill. Tannehill right now is just my because, number eight quarterback. Because at this point, you know, going into Tennessee, is this going to force Mike Vrabel to actually kind of like? change the offense in a sense and go away from well the, he wasn't running the, the offense he wasn't running the offense last year it was arthur no. smith well now arthur it's, smith it, is now gone okay so let me rephrase the question sure. is that going to change how todd downing runs the offense who is a new offensive coordinator for the titans well todd downing also served under arthur smith so all of his concepts basically are derived from arthur smith and everything that i've heard has suggested that this offense in Tennessee is basically more or less the same thing. Yeah, but that was before they traded for a bona fide number one receiver. Correct. Correct. It definitely changes the game. But at the same time, I I think Julio is at that point in his career where numbers don't really matter, if that makes any sort of sense. Well, they might, they might not matter to him, but they matter to his fantasy owners. Sure, sure. And that's what I'm getting at is maybe Julio is well-prepared to not be that big-time hog, for lack of a better phrase, that like he was in Atlanta. Maybe he's there to just be a 75-80 catch guy, and that's, you know, that's like on the, on the lighter end, 75-80 catch guy. Maybe he's not a thousand yard receiver. Maybe he just gets to a thousand, but maybe he'll get you six, seven touchdowns. I would expect the touchdowns to go up. I, I would say that because I don't think you trade for Julio and you know you just don't use him in the red zone like Atlanta did. That, that's beside that's besides the point. Besides well, the listen, point, Steve Sarkeesian can't hurt the Titans. He's in Alabama or he's water, in Texas. Water under the bridge. It is water under the bridge now. Uh, Julio will be targeted in the red zone. Thank goodness. So. I don't know. He he he's a tricky one. He's he's a really tricky one to to assess. But I I think you know he's being drafted as the wide receiver sixteen. I have him exactly at wide receiver sixteen. So he's like a wide receiver two for me. But obviously it's Julio Jones. It's Julio Jones. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh yeah. Julio's just going to regress. He's going to fall off. You know, that's that. It's Julio. He has name value. I just would personally recommend let someone else get caught up on the hype train that is the Titans and overdraft Julio. That would be my recommendation. Well, you know what's going to happen. He'll be drafted higher than he should? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, No doubt in my mind. But a lot of this, you know, we talk about this with like Saquon and Odo Beckham. You got to read your room, your draft room. Yep. And, you know, if you're, for lack of a better term, you know, if you're with more inexperienced drafters who are just like, oh, wow, 
Julio Jones is here. He's great. Adam, Adam I, is here. I remember. Adam, I bet you on the live show, the live draft show that we do. I bet you we're over. We will overreact and cause a, fu- a a little ruckus about Julio Jones and where he's drafted. I, I I will make that bet. Probably. I will personally make that bet. Yeah, that's probably going to end up happening. Yep, I I think so. All right, you want to get you want to get to the fun part of the show now. Let's get to the fun part of the show. I mean, that was fun, but this is the real fun part of the this show. This is the real fun. This is what everyone is here for. Bold predictions. Bold predictions week, baby. I'm up first, and then Adam is up later in the week. And Adam's, I have to say, I'm Adam's scared. bold predictions are bold. But I'm scared. I'm scared of my bold predictions because some of them actually turn out to be good, to, to be true. Exactly. Your bold predictions do hit. Your bold predictions do hit. I'll give you credit for that. It's funny because the the two that I made that actually turned out to be true, I just wanted to make them because I was like, yeah, I can probably have a thread, like it's a small thread of information to make the to make this sound legit, and then it just happened. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. All right, and then it should just we, happened. Should I've, we? Uh, should yeah. we end the suspense? Let's end the suspense. What is your first bold prediction? Uh, all right. Pick a number, Adam. One to eight. Okay. I'm going to pick number seven. Tyler Higby finishes as a top four tight end. Top four tight top end? four. The fuck is the matter with you? We're getting bold. We're getting bold. I mean, I'm just Who does he at- finish above? I think he finishes above... Or I guess, what's your top four? That would be the better question. Well, I think Kittle with the injury risk is definitely a concern. I think you could see a little bit of a drop-off from Darren Waller. Is it enough to put him outside the top four? Probably not. And I think TJ Hawkinson is in the top four. So I think my top four, the way I would – I'm going to say my guess is how it finishes. If Kittle's healthy, Kittle will be in the top four, no doubt. But I'm I'm gonna guess that Kittle deals with an injury, and I'm gonna say it's Kelsey, Waller, Hawkinson, Hickby. Interesting. That's I think, very weird. I think Higby is gonna be someone that I mean, look at the tight end room in, in Los Angeles. There's nothing there. It's Tyler Higby and then Bryson Hopkins. Yeah, as we have discussed plenty of time on this program. Bryson Hopkins is not going to cut into Tyler Higby. That that's a promise. He is not going to cut into Higby. So he has the, the world is his oyster. You have Matt Stafford, at quarterback, you have Robert Woods, you have Cooper cup, you have cam Akers. This is an offense that just right away, you should be just trying to target with every everything that you have and the most affordable guy is going to be Tyler Higby. And I think he's the one that you could be talking about. You're talking about Tyler Higby being maybe a 65, 70 catch tight end. Maybe he gets you 700 yards, but if he could get you seven, eight, nine touchdowns with how thin tight end normally is, that should be good enough to be a top four tight end. So bold prediction, Tyler Higby is going to finish the top four tight end. See, the thing about that is I can see I can see your logic, but then you look at the other tight ends. Um, I mean, you have Hawkinson at three. 
I think that your prediction falls apart if George Kittle plays at least 14 games. Absolutely. And, and you have to look at Mark Andrews as well. Yes. Because I was, I was very close to pointing down as a bold prediction that Mark Andrews finishes as, as a top two tight end. I was very close. That was one. Um, you're also looking at um, Kyle Pitts also who could end up having a really, really, really big season. Oh, okay. I'm not going to spoil. I, I, I'll shut up now about that. Maybe Kyle Pitts is a bold prediction. Maybe. I mean, you have Noah Fant. Uh, yeah, Dallas one of my Gallagher. favorites. One of my favorites this year. I, I, I really like Noah Fant. Logan Thomas, Irv Smith Jr., which I thought was going to be one of your bold predictions. Love Irv Smith. I love him. I don't know if I love Irv Smith enough to be a top four tight end, but I do like him. But obviously, obviously my guy is is Higby. I've had yes. I've had three guys at the tight end position. It's been Higby, Cole Komet, and Irv Smith. Yep. Those are my guys. It's true. All right. Pick a number. One to eight. That is not seven. I'm going to pick two. You're going to take number two. Okay. <laughs> well, Adam. Good man. There will be no suspense any longer because you, my friend, just pick Kyle Pitts. Oh my God. I can't. It's like this is planned. I didn't even know. This is planned. Kyle Pitts will not finish as a top eight tight end. The fuck? He will not finish as a top eight tight end. I mean, okay. I initially, the initial shock is the fuck. But then when you actually look at it, you're like, actually, that's not a, that's not even that bold. Cause there's no. so, I don't think it's that bold. I don't think it's that bold at all. People, people are going to draft him as a top five or six tight end. He won't finish in the top eight. He's a rookie. He's going to have to get adjusted to the national football league. Now, if you can get him at a discount, like I said all along, go for it. Absolutely. Cause I could be dead wrong on this, but for me, I just don't, see Kyle Pitts having this big time explosion in year one. Think of Kyle Pitts like you would think of the rookie receivers. Outside of Justin Jefferson in the year that he had last year, which is a complete and total outlier, by the way, when was the last time that we've seen a rookie receiver just take off and explode in year one? Ironically, Julio Jones? Maybe. AJ Green? Maybe. It was the same year. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. And that's what I think people need to treat that as with Kyle Pitts. It's not going to happen right away. It's not you. Obviously, if you have him, if you're a keeper dynasty, then yeah, of course, you're going to invest heavy in Kyle Pitts and you know, you're going to play the long game with, with, with Pitts. But if you're in redraft, I don't know. I, I, me personally, I just look at, I look at Kyle Pitts being drafted as number seven tight end right now. Versus Tyler Higby, Cole Komet, and Irv Smith, who are outside the top 13 tight ends being drafted right now. I know what I would rather do. I'd rather take one of the, the guys outside the top 13. I mean, Tyler Higby, I just said, is going to be top four. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you're talking about receivers. I mean, the last time really that a rookie tight end broke onto the scene and was amazing was probably TJ Hawkinson. And even then, he's kind of an outlier. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably the last one. And even and, and even before that, that, it was probably Jimmy Graham. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Although even then, I don't even think Jimmy Graham was a rookie. He was like in his second year. Exactly. The pass catchers, they don't break out in their rookie years very often. So it's like, you know, why are we just rushing it with, with, with pits? I don't, I don't understand it. I'm telling you this Julio trade is going to make pits go even higher and I'll be out. I'll be out on pits at that point. Well, also I think it's worth monitoring. I mean, it's worth noting that Kyle Pitts isn't by himself. No, no. In the tight end room. He has Hayden Hurst. Yeah. He's not by himself in that offense. They love Ridley, and a lot of people love Ridley. They have Mike Davis, who I project Mike Davis might catch. Maybe you give Mike Davis 35, 40 receptions. That's on the low end. You got to put in, you know, what is Russell Gage going to do? Olamide Zacchaeus. There's just so many options in that offense that I just I just don't see, unless Pitts is going to be just a red zone touchdown machine. I don't know. I I, I, I don't see it. I'm going to take a lot of – I'm going to take a lot of heat for that one. I, I know it. But sorry. Well, you know, aside from my initial shock, once I started thinking about it, I was like, you know, that's actually, I, I agree with you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you so much, buddy. You're welcome. All right. I need a number one, two, eight. That is not two or seven. I will pick number four. Number four. That is, oh, okay. This, this one's not super bold. Um, I think actually people will be back on the the bird bandwagon with this one. Uh, Josh Jacobs and Melvin Gordon will finish outside the top 24 running backs in PPR. Well, t- listen, I, I agree with that. I don't even like, I like Josh Jacobs, but I, I also hate Melvin Gordon. I'm out on both. I am very out on both. And I, who, who do you want to start with? You want to talk about Jacobs first? You want to talk about Melvin Gordon? Jacobs is in the more interesting situation. Yeah, yeah, he definitely is in the more interesting situation. I just think, you know, the, the, the Raiders have shown their they've shown their hand that they I still think Josh Jacobs is going to be the leading ball toter in this backfield. I do. But what does the leading ball toter mean? Is it 18 touches? Is it 15? Me personally, I only see 15 being a ceiling. I see him being a 15 touch guy at the very most. And maybe touch can turn into carries because they have Jalen Rashard there, who's really the only true pass catching running back on that roster. Jacobs and Kenyon Drake are not really known to be the pat to be pass catchers. So it's kind of like, you know, you're playing in PPR, you need the receptions, you're gonna take Josh Jacobs, even though there is a clear sign that maybe he's not gonna be the the clear leading guy or even catching passes. I don't, I don't love it. I don't love it. I don't love it at all. And then for Melvin Gordon, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward for me that there's a hot young rookie behind him. Melvin Gordon going into the last year of his contract. I actually see Melvin Gordon. I, I could have extended this further, but I didn't, but I will now. I could see Melvin Gordon being out of a job come week 10. Yeah. I mean that I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, it's like you, for for the Raiders, I mean, it's like you just got a guy that does the same thing but worse. Yeah. Yep. It's it's the same guy. Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs basically are the same exact guy. And It's basically like when the Titans had DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. It's like you just got two guys that do the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't think 
I don't think that Josh Jacobs is a, is a Derrick Henry mold. But yeah, it, it's kind of the same comparison that you well, that, bring in. I'm not you saying bring in a vet, you bring in a veteran to try and complement the young guy, and the veteran just kind of gets in the young guy's way. Right. So, but for Melvin Gordon, I agree with you. I don't think Melvin Gordon is really long for the Broncos. I think I think that could be Javante Williams's job come midway point of the season. And you draft I, a guy as high that. as you draft a guy as high as they did. Yep, you're they in the second him round for a reason. The second round, you draft a running back and you're not going to use him. That's ridiculous. You they're gonna yep. they're gonna find a way for for Javante Williams. I don't know what it is about the Broncos and I mean, and John Elway, his decision-making because I mean, you, you have Philip Lindsay, this great undrafted player who is from Colorado and he's, and he's done really well for you, had a great season 2018. And then you're like, you know what? Let's sign Melvin Gordon. To a bloated contract. Adam, didn't we both come on the show and say the same exact thing? Why yeah. are you signing Melvin Gordon when you have Philip Lindsay? You had Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, who could have easily been, if you really wanted a complimentary back to Philip Lindsay, which I don't think they even wanted. I think they just wanted somebody to supplant Philip Lindsay. They wanted a big name to replace him, correct. 100% correct. And then... They're like, well, actually, you know, we don't like our big name running back anymore. We're going to sign, we're going to draft uh, Javante Williams with a premium draft pick. Yep. It, it still makes absolutely no sense to me. Because even even when they signed Gordon, we, we, we both said that Philip Lindsay was the best running back on that roster, e- even with Gordon there. And they, they, ugh, Denver, oh my God. Well, I know. Well, you know, bottom line, don't draft Josh Jacobs or Melvin Gordon. Okay. Uh, I need a number one to eight that is not seven, two, or four. I'm going to go with number one, numero uno. (sighs) Thank you, Adam. Cam Akers will finish the top five running back. Unbelievable. I said Tyler Higgy will finish the top four tight end. We are just running it back with Cam Akers. He's going to finish the top five running back. I have Cam Akers projected for about 280 carries which basically equates to about 1,300 yards rushing. You can get those touchdowns, 7-8 seven, eight, seven, eight touchdowns. I think the Rams are going to have a lot of opportunity inside the five-yard line to really run it in with Cam Akers, and we've seen Cam Akers – well, we've seen Sean McVay want to use his running backs in the past, namely how many times have we seen just uh, H, H-back dives to Todd Gurley on the one-yard line in the past? We've seen it countless times. Cam Akers is going to end up being that guy. He's going to get those those H-back dives right up the middle, and bam, he'll get those easy one-yard touchdowns. Not to mention, the guy just has an unbelievable ability in between the numbers. He, he's a freak, and anybody that wants to doubt Cam Akers, don't draft Cam Akers, and then you'll just be sorry at the end of the day. Uh, Cam Akers will finish as a top-five running back. That is fascinating. I, I can give that, you guys so finish ahead of if you would like. I actually do want to see this. Okay. Or I think this. he I think he finishes above Barkley. Understandable. I actually from one of my bold predictions, I said Saquon Barkley finishes outside the top ten. That was another one I considered. 
Uh, I think he finishes ahead of Zeke. Okay. I think he finishes ahead of Nick Chubb. I think he finishes ahead of Jonathan Taylor, which is one that I think will surprise a lot of people, considering I love Jonathan Taylor. It surprises me. I think that, yeah. Well, I can I can give you the reasoning is because I think Cam Makers is going to end up catching more passes than Jonathan Taylor. I just think at the end of the day, Cam Akers will be catching more passes than my boy JT. And I love him. I love him. Don't get me wrong. I see the logic. I, def- I think that I see the logic just because not only because of the faith that you have in Cam Akers, which is but you don't buy it, <laughs> which is on. No, hold on. Hold on. Which is on a question. I see the logic of not only the faith that you have in Cam Akers, but also the fact that these running backs, you can't guarantee that they're, they're going to play a full season. And that's going to color a lot of things. Correct. But, but what running backs truly were, hmm, how do I put this? What running backs were not hurt last year? It was Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry. That's it. Every other running back missed time. Yeah. Or, or they were not used earlier in the season. See, see Antonio Gibson, see J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, all weren't used. But then you had Zeke, missed time, wasn't effective. Barkley, hurt. Uh, Dalvin Cook missed a week. Christian McCaffrey, know the whole story there. So Austin Eckler, that's another one. Yep. So, Nick Chubb. So you, you're, you're with the running backs. You're playing this game of which guy is not going to get dinged up. And I think with this Rams offense, there's going to be equal opportunity for everyone to kind of make their their mark. And as Adam likes to say, there's only one football understood. But I think Cam Akers is just so gifted as a runner. He's so gifted as just a as just a pure running back that even if he's only getting 18 touches a game, let's say, I think he'll make the most of them. And I think that'll equate to him being a top five running back. I can't say that I agree with you. but I, I, do... I, I know you you weren't going to agree with me. Yeah, you, I you, had, you had that look in your face that you give where you're like, uh, are, are you on crack? <laughs> Is this guy serious? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 believe me, I, I read your face. I, I knew you weren't going to agree. That's okay. Yeah. They're, my bold, they're my bold predictions, not yours, so fuck off. Exactly. So as, as long as it's understood. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just don't, I, I don't know. I don't see Cam Akers. I don't see Cam Akers as a top five running back. I see him as a top 10 running back. I just don't see him as a top five. Option. You see him as a top seven. Uh, yeah, I see him as a top seven. You could okay. All right, I just think he finished top five at seven, probably. At seven, okay. So who would you have finishing above him? Probably Jonathan McCa- Taylor and Eckler, maybe. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were going to ask me to go through my whole. No. No, no, no. Yeah, like, probably Taylor Eckler. Taylor Eckler. Yeah. Well, I think I think Akers finishes above both of them. Okay, my son. My In PPR son. too. In PPR. Okay. Yep. yep. These running, but the, these rankings or these predictions, whatever the fuck we're doing, uh, they are they are PPR unless otherwise specified. Okay. They are PPR. All right. So one Do to eight. Time for one more. One to eight. That is not let's see uh yeah no we have time i could probably go i could probably go through all of these okay 
I can probably go through all these and then we'll be uh, we'll be good to go. So I think I did I not pick three yet. You do not pick. You do not pick three, five, six, and eight. So let's go with three. Three. Okay. This is a great one. This is a great one that I'm going to get a lot of shit for. Uh, Tyler Boyd will be the best Bengals wide receiver in PPR. Oh, oh. Okay. And I have, I, I can explain myself. Elaborate. So the way that I see this Bengals offense shaping up is this. You're going to have Jamar Chase on the outside with T Higgins, and then you're going to have Tyler Boyd as your primary slot guy. You look at the teams that are in the AFC North. The Steelers have a pretty good secondary, but solid enough outside corners. For Baltimore, once. one of the best outside corner duos in the National Football League. Cleveland has gotten so much better in the secondary, namely with their outside corners, of course, spearheaded by Denzel Ward. The one thing that they all those teams have in common, however, is Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns allow more points to slot receivers than they do to outside receivers. So if Tyler Boyd, you're going to tell me, is going to be the primary slot receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, he'll be more of that possession guy. He'll get you those 75, 80 catches, no problem. I don't know if he'll be like a massive touchdown guy. I think that's really going to be a lot of Jamar Chase and, and T Higgins. But I think in terms of, you know, your steady floor, it depends on what you're looking for. And I, I always say this with, with certain guys, but with Tyler Boyd, I think it's important to understand that if you're looking for a guy who's going to blow up and have a massive week on any given week, Tyler Boyd is not your guy. That's more of T Higgins. It's more of Jamar Chase. But if you're looking for a guy, say, say you're playing a three receiver league, and you're looking just for a guy that'll be a steady 15, 16, 17-point receiver every single week who'll get you six catches for 70, 80 yards. Maybe he gets you a touchdown if you're lucky. That's Tyler Boyd. That is who he is. And I, I, I've said this the other day, and I'm going to say it on here. He reminds me to a much, much poorer extent of a Julian Edelman. I think he is the new Edelman in terms of you take him, you put him in your lineup, you know exactly what you're going to get from someone like Tyler Boyd. That's why I think he's going to be the best Bengals receiver in PPR. By the way, he's also being drafted as the third Bengals receiver off the board, according to NNFC at this moment in time. It is it is Higgins at one, Chase at two, and then Boyd at three. There's actually a 10-spot difference between Boyd and and Chase, which to me is absolutely absurd. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I love former Pitt Panthers in the NFL. Oh, so, I know you do. You 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 do stand Pitt. Yes. Hail to Pitt. But great best school that I never went to. About to say, watch what you say. <laughs> but I feel like I can I'm saying this a lot. I can see your logic. I can, I can see your logic here, but I don't agree with it. Who do you think is going to be the best Bengals receiver? The best Bengals receiver? I think it's going to be T. Higgins. Oh, no. <laughs> You're falling into the trap. The be- oh, I've lost well, you, Adam. The best Bengals receiver? The best Bengals receiver in PPR. Yes. I like T. Higgins. I just don't like where he's going. Important to specify. PPR. 
well, non-PPR, Boyd will not have the same impact. PPR, Boyd will be terrific. Well, like you said, it's PPR unless stated otherwise. Yes, I did state PPR, just to make yeah. sure. PPR, point per reception. Well, that the thing with T. Higgins is that I think we both said this. We like, you know, you like T. Higgins, but you don't like where he's going in drafts. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. want to go on value, if you if value factors into this, then yeah, sure, Tyler Boyd will be the best receiver on the Bengals. Oh, I, I'm not talking about value. I'm talking about statistically. I think Tyler Boyd finishes the best rece- best receiver in PPR. But that's where that's where I disagree with you. I'm so happy we're disagreeing. I'd rather have T. Higgins. I think T. Higgins would be better, will be better than Boyd, but I just don't like where T. Higgins is going in drafts. So would you feel comfortable starting Higgins against Denzel Ward? That's no. probably going to be what you're going up against twice. That is twice, though. Would you be comfortable going starting T. Higgins against Marlon Humphrey? Mm, I mean, okay. Well, the thing about the Bengals also is that their offense is actually, it's not, it's not going to just be T Higgins that they're worrying about, worrying about, you know, they're going to be focusing on Tyler Boyd. They're going to be focusing on Jamar Chase. They're going to be focusing on Joe Mixon. It's not, sure. this is not a situation where but the outside yeah. corners for all of those teams are excellent. And those are six matchups right there in a 17-game schedule. So you're talking just about a third of the games that you're going to play. If you have Higgins and Chase, you're going to be having them go up against one of a, a very, very tough outside corner where the matchup may not project favorably for Chase or for Higgins. Whereas for Boyd, Boyd's going to avoid those outside guys. He's not an outside receiver. He is a C is the slot guy. He is going to operate as the slot guy. At least that's the way how I project it. And I think Boyd is going to have the opportunity in those tougher matchups to really produce. Now I'm not saying that Higgins and chase are going to be terrible. I'm not saying that at all, but I think who is the, going to be the best read. Who's going to be the safest bet and who's going to be the best Bengals receiver is going to be Tyler Boyd. I have Tyler Boyd finishing as a top 20 receiver. I am very, very close to putting Tyler Boyd ahead of T Higgins in my overall rankings. I'm very close to doing it. I'll just say this. The only, I think that the matchups you have to worry about really, I mean, you have the Steelers and week 12, and then you have the Ravens in week 16, but one of those matchups against Cleveland is actually in week 18. So you don't have to worry about that. Thank goodness. Okay. All right. So still, that's five. Yes. Unless you play week 18 championships, which if you do, you're out of your mind. I mean, one of them is in the semifinals, would be in the semifinals. Which one? Baltimore, week 16. Oof. Yikes. Oh, God. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. But I think that, you know, the matchups are spread out enough that, I mean, you're focusing on five matchups here. Adam, I'll make I'll make you a wager. Okay. I'll bet you five bucks that Boyd finishes ahead of Higgins. Okay. Shake on it. You're on. Shake. You're Virtual on. Virtual shake. You're on. Five bucks. You're on. 
It's okay. on record. On the record, forever etched in time. All right, so we have three more. You have not chosen five, six, or eight. Eight. Terry McLaurin finishes a top three receiver. Top three receiver? Top three. You heard it here first. Oh, my God. I told you it's going to be bold. Here they are. You're right. Okay. Who is he finishing ahead of? Or I guess who um, is he finishing behind? Who's your top three? My top three, I have it as Tyree Kill at one and Stephon Diggs at two. Oh, my. Yep. Terry, so you have Terry McLaurin ahead of basically the field. Everybody Except else. for those. Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas. Have them ahead of all of them. But why, though? Two words. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh my They're God. going to throw the ball. Terry McLaurin has just been excellent his first two years in the league. He's, an, he's another one of those younger receivers, those rookie receivers that have pa- panned out year one. Year two, outstanding. And you look at what he did in year two. He did what he did basically with – Dwayne Haskins with Alex Smith. And I'm not saying that Alex Smith is bad by any stretch of the imagination, but there's a clear lack of talent at the quarterback position in Washington. Now you have Ryan Fitzpatrick, gunslinger himself, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is going to be launching into Terry McLaurin. The, the best comparison that I can make is look at what Ryan Fitzpatrick did for a young Devontae Parker in his career. Monte Parker was on the last year of his contract. He was going to walk. He was done. People had looked at him washed, completely finished. Devontae Parker had a monster end of the year. Miami signed Devontae Parker to a massive contract. And now Devontae Parker is back to being eh without Ryan Fitzpatrick. Terry McLaurin has been awesome in fantasy without having a top tier quarterback. But now you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy who is known to be absolutely outstanding for outside receivers. This is, this, this is just – it's written in the stars that McLaurin is going to just have a monster, monster year. I mean, I, I could see – I could see a 1,300-yard campaign for Terry McLaurin right away. Well, it wasn't too far off. He was about 180 yards short of 1,300 yards last yeah. year. Well, he was he was about what? He was 1220 or 1120? He was 1118, actually. 1118? Okay. And I four, could say. Uh, here's the thing, though 1118, sure. four touchdowns. I mean, that number's got to regress upwards. Yep. But- absolutely. Absolutely. I think there'll be more deep shots, though, that are taken. I think you look at what Alex Smith brought to the table, and I'm really going to use the Alex Smith sample size here. Alex Smith really didn't want to the, – the, the Washington offense didn't want to really push it too much with Alex Smith. It was a lot of dink and dunk. Whereas with Fitzpatrick, I mean, you know this is going to be bombs just being thrown all over the field. And not to mention, you have two defenses in that division that are not great in terms of dealing with opposing receivers. You have the Eagles – and you have the Cowboys. Right. So that's four matchups right there. Unless Adam's, Adam's going to tell me that the, that the Washington football team play the Eagles or the Cowboys in week 18, and then it's going to come, it's going to be now free matchups. Well, I'm, fu- I'm fully expecting it. <laughs> you know, 
you might want to stay. You might want to have him for playoffs because guess who Dallas, guess who Washington plays from weeks 14 to 17. Is it the entire NFC East? It is literally all four matchups between the Eagles and Cowboys. Wow. Oof. Week 14 home against Dallas. Week 15 and 16 are on the road against Philly and Dallas. And then week 17 is home, home against Philly. Philly. Yep. And then they go to the Giants in week 18. Wow. That's juicy. That's really good. I mean, that, that might that might propel him to top three. I, listen, I think he's going to have a monster season. But top three? Top three. Hurry here first. I mean, you're having him over guys like... I told you. Devontae, DK, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown... DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, Justin Allen, Jefferson. I think Allen Justin. Je- I think Justin Jefferson regresses. I, I was very close to saying Justin Jefferson does not finish the top fifteen receiver. But I mean, we're not even talking about the fact that the Panthers. I mean, uh, the Panthers. The uh, football team just spent all this money on Curtis Samuel. That's the caveat. That's the caveat. Is how do they use Curtis Samuel, and is Curtis Samuel enough? to really put a dent in Terry McLaurin's production. I don't think he's going to be, which is why I have a little prediction. Well, yeah, your model depends on it. Your prediction depends My model on it. My depends on it, yes. <laughs> My model does absolutely depend on it. Okay. So, we have now six or eight? No, no I just did eight. Oh, you did eight. I apologize. Okay, six, so you have five or six. Five. Five uh, or six. I'm going to go with six. Going to go with six. Okay. Oh, you're going to like this one. You're going to like this one. It better not be about Tom Brady. If it is about Tom Brady, I'm going to leave this podcast. It's not about Tom Brady. It's actually about what, a friend of yours. Sam? It is about Sam. I love Sam. Sam Darnold will finish as a QB1. Really? He will finish as a top 12 quarterback. You know, oh, that's tough. I like I want to. I, I want to believe – I want to believe so bad. I think this is really dependent on um, Curtis. I mean, what the hell is wrong with me? I think this is really dependent. You really want to say Curtis Samuel? No, I was, I'm confusing the Panthers and the football team, even though it because it's so easy to, you really want, just want to talk about Curtis Samuel. You should have no. Curtis Samuel's one of your bold predictions. So you can talk about Curtis Samuel all you want. I think Sam Darnold's success in Carolina is dependent on Christian McCaffrey staying healthy yep. for the whole season. Absolutely. Him Absolutely could not agree more. Him finishing as a top 12 quarterback. Because he has a he has a long way to go. He's I think ranked he finishes... at 25 right now on Fantasy Pros. Well, I look at what he has now in Carolina. It's night and day compared to what the Jets gave him. Night and day. You have Christian McCaffrey there. You have DJ Moore. You have Robbie Anderson, his good buddy, Robbie Anderson, who – almost made him a star with with the jets there that was like the one moment that little stretch after he got the mono where people were saying oh my god sam Darnold may actually be a star it was literally one game against the cowboys and that was it yeah yeah but now you know he's, he's in a better offense i should have known it was a mirage the jets always do well against the cowboys true out of out of the crosshairs of adam gaze finally and now Matt Rule, i think is really gonna work with sam to get him to become the guy that the Jets were hoping for out of USC. So I would say for dynasty players, Sam Darnold is a hell of a buy low right now. 
And for anybody else in redraft and keeper, I think Sam Darnold is a great, great guy to try and target late. I mean, listen, I'm not going to say I disagree with you. I maybe top 12 is a bit high, but the pieces are there. I mean, you have Christian McCaffrey, the best running back in the, in the league when healthy. Yep. You have Robbie Anderson, you have DJ Moore, a sneaky good tight end with Ian Thomas. Yeah. I mean, the, the pieces are there. It's all a matter of, as a guy who has watched Sam Darnold, I, I don't want to believe this, but I think that he might, he might be broken. I don't think so. That's what everyone said about Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, but everyone said that about Ryan Tannehill. Everyone said Ryan Tannehill is finished, done. Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill had, I don't want to say proven success, but he had something with his prior offensive coordinators before Adam Gaze came in. Sure. And he was just, it was really injuries that was hold, that were holding him back. Yeah, but now you have, you, you, you're putting the combination of Matt Rule, Joe Brady with Sam Darnold. Mm. You can't forget Joe Brady made Joe Burrow. Yes. I mean, that, that's just fact. Listen, I mean, I was, he's, I was, he's probably, he's probably the next coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, let, let's be quite frank. But all kidding aside, you know, you can give Joe Brady one year to really work with Sam Darnold. Mm. If they have somebody to help him work on his mechanics and reading they defenses, they will. Because it seemed like Sam just didn't really know how to do that all that well. In, well, who was he New throwing York? to? Who was he throwing to? He well, throwing. Sam Darnold is walking into Carolina and automatically has – the three best offensive players he's ever played with in his career. Listen, right there. Don't get me wrong. I want this to happen. I love Sam Darnold. I think he was done so wrong by the Jets when he was drafted. Oh, what they did to him was criminal. Criminal. Criminal act. Adam Gay should be thrown in jail. I agree. For child endangerment. I agree. Sam, Sam just likes to kiss pretty ladies. Let the man rock. And now Zach Wilson. And now Zach Wilson's going to be kissing pretty ladies, but unfortunately he's going eye on the game. So I don't know. I'm souring on Zach Wilson and the Jets. I know. I, thank, good, thank, thank goodness Corey Davis wasn't there. Yeah. Thank goodness. Otherwise, I would have, my son would be grounded. Hey, you know, he was at a Nick game. He was. So. He was. And so was Kosala. Yeah, I know. I saw it. That's when they, they lost. Hey, if they want to go back for uh, – for game six, they want to be there. That would be uh, that'd be great. As long as we don't see them at the negative voodoo, at the uh, the place with the grass roof that's named after a bank. True. I don't want to uh, mention any names. <laughs> True. <laughs> the grass roof. There is grass up there. It's very weird. It, it is quite strange. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I, I want this to happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. You have to assume that all the players ahead of him are not going to perform as well either. I mean, you see the names here that, at least on Fantasy Pros, you're looking from 13 to where Sam is at 25. Yep. Joe Burrow, Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, Fitzpatrick, Tua Tagovailoa, Big Ben, Justin Fields, and Derek Carr. 
you're basically assuming that Sam Darnold is going to finish ahead of all of those guys. Yep. And also Ryan Tannehill at 12. Well, I have Ryan, I have Ryan Tannehill at eight. Right. I think I, I, I think he finishes above Brady. And or like Jalen Hurts, Matt Stafford, and Tom Brady, who are he, he could finish above Brady. I think so. Tell you, this is a bold this is a bold prediction. It sure is. All right, you want to hear my last one? Yes. CeeDee Lamb finishes above Amari Cooper. Of course it's cow it's Cowboys related. Of course. You think I was gonna have a bold prediction and not have the Cowboys in it? You're gonna have a bold prediction with the Jets involved. Oh, I will. It's Zach Wilson's QB one. Zach Wilson is the will be the best quarterback ever. God he's almighty. He's gonna go twenty and oh. God. So CD Lamb finishes above Amari Cooper. Uh, pretty simple. Uh, Amari Cooper, as much as I love Amari, and yeah, I'll have him somewhere again this year because I'm a sucker for uh, for Amari Cooper. He does go on runs where he where he is inconsistent. I mean, he does go up against tougher corners, namely namely uh, James Bradbury, um, Darius Slay, and now he'll be going up against William Jackson as well. Those are six matchups right there that you know you gotta you know you gotta be a little concerned with Amari Cooper, but. With CD Lamb, he won't have to worry about all of that because he'll be in the slot. So, and and let I me mean, let's face it, this Cowboys offense. You say what you want about the defense; the defense could be great, could be terrible. I would lean more towards terrible than anything else. But this Cowboys offense is just going to be a freaking juggernaut if Dak can can stay healthy. And you know, it was a freak injury that took him out, but. Yeah, I, think, I just think CeeDee Lamb, I, I was very close to saying top 10 receiver for CeeDee Lamb. I just went on the conservative side and said that he'll finish above Amari Cooper. And I'm I'm going to swear by that one. Well, you know, if CeeDee Lamb breaks out, you, you saw his good stretch in the second half of, of 2020, and he looked really good. I mean, the game against San Francisco was like etched into my mind where he was yeah. incredible. Yeah, and that was with Andy Dalton. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be better with Dak. He's got to be better with Dak. Yeah. And thankfully, one of his matchups against Darius Slay is in week 18. Yep. So, so avoid one of those. Well, Amari Cooper does, which yeah. is good, which is good. But uh, yeah, those are my uh, those are my bold predictions. Those are uh, all that I have lined up for uh, today. All right. Well, that's going to that was something. You got a little bit of workout just trying to do the mental gymnastics to try and figure out what you were trying to go for here. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to provide some excitement. Now bring on, now bring on the heat. Yeah. I am. I'm excited to see the kind of uh, responses that you get. I think we should do that before we talk, before we go into my bold predictions um, next episode, we should, you should read off some of the responses that you get for yours. I think I can do that. I think I can do that. PG, maybe PG thirteen R, like slightly. I don't know. Not nothing. I'll too see crazy. what I got. No slurs, please. Oh, no slurs. <laughs> no, no slurs. I'll see what I got. I'll see what I got, and if I have any good ones, I'll read them out. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes. <laughs> of everything under the Basement Talk podcast umbrella, wherever you get your podcasts. For my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk podcast fantasy show. Bye-bye.